0: finish Daniel tonight and so let's pray. Father we just thank you right now that you gave us the book of Daniel and Lord you give us a revelation in this chapter Lord that we're going to look at tonight as you know about the end times and Lord you gave us this word through Daniel centuries upon centuries ago that is relevant to us right now so open our eyes and open our ears Church, will you just breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart tonight. I receive the revelation you gave to Daniel in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. You better perk up and listen. You're going to need it. All right. Now, I have never taught from a stool like this except for the last few Wednesday nights. There's no reason I could easily stand, but I kind of started liking it. Because I feel like I'm in a living room just kind of talking to you. I've even thought about doing this on a Sunday. I don't know. That didn't go over very big. Some of you, (laughs) you there was no response whatsoever. I mean, do you care? Wouldn't I, you know, I don't know if I could get away with it. I think I, you know, some pastors can stand in a bucket of water and not spill a drop. I'm going to spill the drops. I'm going to spill the water and I'm going to kick the bucket. So maybe I couldn't do it. But anyway, Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to be honest with you. I have found that Daniel has been more difficult than the book of Revelation in some ways. Now, by saying that, I'm not telling you that I don't have understanding of it. I'm just telling you it took a lot of study. It took a lot of study because there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of numbers in Daniel. Uh, A lot of multiplication, a lot of division. And we're going to deal with a little bit of that again tonight as we close out. But this is the last chapter. This is session 13, but it's the last chapter. And I've just called it The Righteous Shall Shine because this one has some really, really positive things in it about we believers. And so last time we saw that Daniel 11, verses 36 to 45 focus on the coming antichrist all of a sudden in daniel 11 gabriel who is speaking to daniel switches gears and he begins talking about the coming antichrist of the last days and it goes on for nine verses it ends out chapter 11 now i really do believe that the first three verses of chapter 12 should have been the last three first verses of chapter 11 Because Gabriel continues to speak until you're finished with verse 3 of chapter 12. So it's a continuum. Gabriel speaks to Daniel from chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 4. Okay? Now, in talking about the Antichrist, we saw some glimpses of what his personality will be like and the evil things that he will do. And let me just refresh you a little bit on that. He will be arrogant on steroids, major arrogant, arrogant squared, consummately arrogant, blasphemous. He doesn't just swear, but he, but he, he blasphemes God. He looks up and literally blasphemes Christ and God. So he's a blasphemer like none has ever been. Um, He will call himself God. He will literally walk into the temple and the holy place and call himself God and demand that the the, the world worship him as very God. That's what you call an ego trip. Now, he will also attack the Jewish people, particularly at the second half of the tribulation period, and the tribulation saints. And that's people who are saved during the tribulation period. Many, many multitudes will be saved during the great tribulation. We call them tribulation saints. And he will be given seven years to wreak his havoc before the return of Christ stops him. He is stopped by the return of Christ. Now, chapter 12 picks right up where 11 left off and will close out Daniel's book with a prophecy of the end times. This is powerful. So as I said, the first three verses of chapter 12 could have been the last three verses of chapter 11. If I was dividing up the chapters, that's the way I would have done it, but they didn't call me. Now let's start out at verse, or chapter 12, verse 1. And let's just pick our way through this because it's great stuff. Now, here it is, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, now that's the great tribulation, the time of the great tribulation, at that time, The Great Tribulation. Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, that would be Israel, will arise. Then there will be a time of trouble greater than any since nations first came into existence. Did you catch that? Now, how many of you who know a little bit of history can say there's been a lot of trouble on a lot of nations, major trouble. But this time of trouble will eclipse what any nation has ever gone through before. I want you to notice that the mere presence of Michael, the great archangel, does not avert the times of trouble. He helps God's people in and through their trouble, but he does not stop the trouble from coming, and that's the way life usually happens. God could have stopped that wind from blowing my door open. He could have said, wind, stop, and, and my door would not have been bent. So I could have walked away going, how come you didn't stop that wind, Lord? But I just figured he wanted David McDavid to hear me talk about Jesus. Okay. I mean, we wonder all the time, how come God didn't stop this or that? But that's really not the question. It's not what you go through. It's how you go through what you go through. And so here we see that Michael standing up for Israel doesn't stop them from going through trouble. He just sees them through it. <clears throat> now, this time of trouble is the tribulation period spoken of in Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7, by Jesus Christ himself. Matthew 24 contains Jesus' most extensive prophecy about the last times or the last days. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. All these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. So clearly, folks, Jesus knew that an end was coming to this planet. He said the end is coming, but it's not yet. Then he says in verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. That's the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the time of great trouble Gabriel is talking to Daniel about. And Jeremiah also talked about this day of trouble. He says in chapter 30, verse 7, how awful that day will be. No other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, meaning Israel, but he will be saved out of it. So when theologians talk about this this day, or or when the Jewish people talk about this day, they're going to call it the day of Jacob's trouble or the time of Jacob's trouble. And it's futuristic. It hasn't happened yet. And we're going to look tonight at the time when this does happen. Now, Daniel continues in the second half of of verse 1. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is, read this with me, everyone, written in the book, will be rescued. Isn't it amazing that he mentions a book just like John the Revelator? Now, when he says, but at that time, Every one of your people who are written in the book are going to be rescued at that time means the time of great trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble, the Matthew 24 trouble, the same time period. Now remember the close of verse 45 in chapter 11. The Antichrist has entered Israel and is about to desecrate the temple. He shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. This event of the abomination of desolation that Jesus also warns about in Matthew 24. This event happens at the midpoint of the tribulation period, three and a half years in. You remember I've told you that Antichrist will come on the scene when he cuts a deal with Israel and the Arabs, and it'll be a peace treaty lasting seven years. If you ever wake up and you read in the news that there has been a seven-year peace treaty cut with Israel and the Arabs. Now, notice this is always trying to happen. We've had it in the news lately, this week. And I got to tell you,
1: our president stabbed Israel in the back
0: and did what Scripture forbids. He, he along with John Kerry, Secretary of State Kerry, he demanded the division of the land. And the Bible says if you divide the land, you open yourself up to the curse of God. It was wrong. He betrayed them. He betrayed our ally. And I don't care who he is. I, that is, I don't. if it was Trump, I'd be saying the same thing. If it was Bush, I'd be saying the same thing. I, I'm not looking to attack any president, but this president has been no friend of Israel. And going out of office as he heads out of office and pulled this this week, uh, major, major mistake. I hope it's overturned. I hope it's undone. Now, having said that, you will hear about a peace treaty being cut. And this this will thrust Antichrist onto the stage of history as a hero. Because look at all the presidents and all of the world leaders that have tried to bring this about. I mean, the world is crying for it, and people have tried it, but the success of it awaits Antichrist, and he'll do it. Then three and a half years into that peace treaty, he will go back on his word. He'll go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and declare himself to be God, and the Jewish people will know that he was a farce, a fraud, that his word meant nothing. Now, let me give you just a little bit of Bible, expand your understanding of Scripture a little bit here. When he goes in there and demands that he is uh, worshiped as God and that the whole earth worships him, here's what's going to happen. Israel's eyes will be open to who he really is, and they will reject his claim. And you know what's going to happen? They will turn toward Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Now, let me tell you what the catalyst for that will be. This turn toward Christ on the part of the Jewish people halfway through the time of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation, is going to be the result of the ministry of the two witnesses that John the Revelator tells us about in Revelations 11, 1 through 13. It's so powerful. I've got to read it to you because, because listen, here he is. he's He's going to go into the temple. I'm God. The Jewish people are going to go, oh, my Lord, who have we been following? Who have we believed? because he will then forbid them from, from taking part in their ritual sacrifices, and he will shut them down. And when he does, they, their eyes are open. Now, stepping onto the scene of history right now is two highly unusual personalities. They're called the two witnesses. Let me read to you about them. Revelations eleven one to 13. John says, I was given a read like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers. See how the temple's there and see how they're in the Old Testament form of sacrifices again, Old Testament worship. Verse two, but exclude the outer court. Don't measure it because it's been given to the Gentiles and they will trample on the holy city for 42 months. That's talking about the last three and a half years, the final 42 months of the great Tribulation. And it is Antichrist and his forces that are trampling Jerusalem during this time. They will trample on the city for 42 months, the angel tells John. And the persecution of the Jews by Antichrist and his Gentile armies goes into full motion. And they began to experience persecution like they perhaps have never known. He will release hell's fury against them and against tribulation saints throughout the world. At this juncture, God sends in his two witnesses. Look at verse 3. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. That's approximately three and a half years. Clothed in sackcloth. Who does that sound like? John the Baptist. I'm not saying that's who it is, but they're going to look kind of like John. Now, look at verse 4. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. I love verse 5. I wish I had this going on with me right now. How many of you would like a little bit of this power? If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. What would you do with that power? If fire could come out of your mouth and devour your critics? Well, you'd be going around fire-breathing dragon all the time. But but they will be under the total control of the Holy Spirit. But look at the supernatural things going on during the time of Jacob's trouble. Fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. And this is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. So people will die who attack these two. Verse 6, they have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. Who does that sound like? Elijah. And they have power to turn the waters into blood. Who that sound like? Moses. And to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So you've got an Elijah-like and a Moses-like characters. Now look at verse 7. Now, when they have finished their testimony, this is after the 42 months, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them. Now, before I go any further, This is what I believe will turn the Jewish people to Christ. These two witnesses are going to have the attention of the entire world, and they'll be standing in the streets of the holy city, Jerusalem, testifying of Christ. So when Antichrist goes in and says, I'm God, worship me, and the Jews realize who it is, these two stand up and point the way to the real Messiah. Now, verse 7, now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss, and what I teach in the Revelation series, the beast is who? Antichrist. And he will overpower and kill them. Their bodies, verse 8, will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. So, Jerusalem. Verse 9, for three and a half days... Some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. They won't even let them bury them honorably. And it's a good thing because they're coming up. Verse 10, the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth for 42 months. Can't you see our world doing this? gloating over the death of the righteous. I can. But look what happens after in verse 11. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who were watching on CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, and MSLSD. (laughs) I threw that in there. That's the revised slanted wickwire version. But you know that all the network cameras will be panned on this. You do know that. OK? So I'm just trying to make it real. And, and believe me, they'll all be gloating and rejoicing that these two are dead. And
1: yet, all of a sudden, they stand up And look what happens. Here's a picture of the
0: Rapture, verse 12. Then they heard a what kind of voice? Loud voice from heaven saying to them, say it with me, everybody, good and loud. Come up here. Don't you know that's what the Lord's going to say to us? That's all he has to say. Lazarus, come forth. Church, come up here. And look what happens. And they went up to heaven in a cloud with all the network cams panned on them and people all over the world having a heart attack. While their enemies looked on. Oh, I love that. While their enemies looked on. That's what it says. Like they say, you can't keep a good man down. So we know now that one of these witnesses is Elijah. For Malachi prophesied, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's the same thing as the time of Jacob's trouble. Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. I think that's talking about these two witnesses leading the Jewish people to their real Messiah during this terrible time, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And the second person I've always felt was Moses. I've always felt it was Moses because of the plagues and turning the water into blood. But some people believe it's Enoch, and other people believe other things. But I'm sticking with Elijah and Moses mainly because... Those are the two that appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Elijah and Moses. And, and so I believe those are those are the two, are certainly of the same spirit as them. Now, the next two verses reveal the return of Christ and the great resurrection of the dead. But before I go into this, can you all, have you used your sanctified imaginations to, to stop and think about what we just read? That in the time of Jacob's trouble, there's going to be two preachers, two servants of God, and they're going to be literally killed and lying in the streets of Jerusalem with the whole world looking and rejoicing, and suddenly, folks, they're going to stand up. No rigor
1: mortis. Standing up like Jesus stood up in the the tomb, and everybody's going to see it. What a witness.
0: Okay, now let's move on. Now, the next two verses reveal the return of Christ and the resurrection of the dead. Verse 2, chapter 12. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will do what? Rise up. Now, look, it's going to be two different kinds of people. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. What's this talking about? This is talking about the resurrection for the great white throne judgment of God, where every person who has ever lived is going to be resurrected. You know, we talk about um, how the believers are going to be caught up. You know, I, I, I go to Kathy's grave pretty often, and I have said, sitting there at that grave, um, Kathy, I can't tell you how much I rejoice over the promise of the resurrection uh, because, sweetie, you're coming out facing east, and you're going straight in the arms of your body because she's already with him. Amen. But but let me tell you what a hope that is when you lose somebody you've been with for 41 years. You know, I go there, and and I just have a hope, though I still – hurt. I have a hope. And we need to remember, look at this. This is a promise of that there's going to be a resurrection, but not just of the saints, but of the wicked. See, when you die, if you're wicked, you don't stay down. You're going to be resurrected as well. And you're going to be brought into the presence of God. You are not ever going to die. Because that's what Daniel's telling us. This takes place at the return of Christ, this resurrection, yeah. rising up. And it's exactly what John the Revelator predicts as well. I've got to read the Revelation again. Look what he says. Chapter 1, verse 7 of Revelation. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. Did you catch that? How can those who pierced him see him when he returns? Because everybody that's ever lived is going to be resurrected on that day. And they're coming up. And those who pierced him are going to face God. Look what it says. All the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Why? Because they're going to go, oh, my Lord, it was true. I didn't know it was true. It was true. He's here. And they'll mourn. All the ethnos, all the ethnicities of the earth. That's the the Greek there. Will mourn. And then in Revelation 20, I think the most sombering set of passages in the whole Bible, but I've got to read it because it's talking about the same thing Daniel did. Chapter 20 of Revelation, starting in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Daniel talked about a book, and here's John talking about books. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, I think there's two books. It's, It's plural. He says, I saw books. Here's what they are. One of the books is a record of everything the wicked did and will answer for. The second book contains the names of those who are in the book of life. One is the book of recorded sins. The other one is the book where there is no sin recorded because your name is in the book of life because the blood has washed your sins away. That's right. (laughs) And so that's why it's plural books. Look what it says, verse 13. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. How many people have died in the ocean? How many people have gone down in the ocean? Look how it says the sea give up, give over the dead that are in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Death and Hades are the waiting room where those who are not saved go. It's not purgatory. Purgatory is a Catholic um, creation. There's no purgatory. But there is death and Hades. Death and Hades is where the wicked man was in Jesus' parable. When the wicked man looked up and saw Abraham and saw his former servant Lazarus in his lap. And this wicked man said, said Lord, let me go warn my brothers about this place. And he said, if they didn't believe when somebody got up from the dead, they won't believe you either. He, and Jesus was saying, if they don't believe my resurrection, they won't believe you either. But this person in in hell, he, he was thirsty, he was conscious, he had memory of his family, he he had concern for those who hadn't died yet, he had pain. And where was he? He wasn't in the lake of fire, because we're gonna see that in a minute. Nothing is in the lake of fire right now, nothing. It awaits the last judgment. But right now, where are all the people who have who have rejected God and died? They're in Hades, and they are awaiting. That's where this man was in Jesus' parable, and that's where all of the dead are who didn't know Jesus.
1: That's free. That wasn't in my notes. I'm just giving that to you.
0: But I want you to understand it. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. See, they had to answer for their acts because their acts weren't covered by the blood. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. You die once physically, you die again when you get sent into the lake of fire. Verse 15, scariest verse in the Bible, I think. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into
1: the lake of fire. Now, that's not
0: metaphorical. That's not allegorical. That's not, you know, that's a lake of fire that the lost are thrown
1: into. You say, Jeff, can can you,
0: do you agree with that? Do you believe that? I, I believe it because Jesus taught it more than anybody else in the Bible. Can I wrap my mind around it? Not if I sat and thought for 100 years. Can I wrap my mind around that? But that's what it says.
1: It couldn't be more clear. And there's no getting out. Can't wrap my mind around that either.
0: Here's the main thing. Has the blood covered your sin? Have you come to Christ who died for your sins and rose from the dead so that you could be saved? Have you done that? Your own good works won't get you there Your pedigree won't get you there. Your education won't get you there. Your charisma or looks or money or none of that will get you there. You have to have your sin washed away. And there's only one thing that washes it away, and that's the blood of the lamb. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The greatest day of Jeff Wickwire's life is when I was in juvenile home and I said, Jesus, come into my heart. And at that moment, my name was put into the book of life. And believe you me, before then, it was in another book. How about you? Now, remember, Daniel talked about being rescued if you're in the book. And John reiterates it, speaking of the necessity of being in the book of life. Now, next, Daniel brings a wonderful promise. Look at verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Well, who are the wise? Those who are wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. If you have come to Jesus, you're wise and that are truly godly and righteous through his blood will shine as the brightness of the firmament. If you really want a reward, take as many people with you as you can find. Get out there and win souls. Amen? We've had somewhere around 50 people in the last four weeks give their hearts to Christ. I mean, give their hearts to Christ in church. Well, you know what? Every church ought to be having babies. And we're having bunches of them. Now, he said they'll be clothed with glory and immortality with glorified bodies, just like Christ's glorious body. And speaking of his return, when all things will be judged and set right, Jesus predicted the same thing. Listen to what he said in Matthew 13. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace. There's Jesus talking about hell. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43. Verse 43. Then the righteous will do what? Read it with me. Shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That's exactly what Daniel said, shining like the sun. Now next, the angel Gabriel is winding up his message to Daniel. that began in verse 1 of chapter 11, and he's continued to chapter 12, verse 4. So this is a long message Gabriel brought to Daniel. Verse 4, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret seal up the book till the time of the end and when, and when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. At the time of the end, many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Now, First Daniel is told that the book in which this revelation is written must be placed in a safe and sure place for the need for it, catch this, church, the need for it will be felt In the time of the end. That is in the time when the fulfillment makes the meaning of the prophecy clear and unambiguous. How many of you can say we're in the time of the end? Now, secondly, he speaks of many running to and fro or rushing here and there. What does he mean by that? Well, some believe that this is a prediction of modern transportation. I've heard that taught so many times. You know, planes, trains, automobiles. Wasn't that a movie? Yeah, planes, trains, automobiles, uh, modern transportation. And that increase of travel is the point of that prophecy. But, but I, I just don't think that washes. Let me tell you why. I believe it's actually talking about an increase in running here and there to gain understanding of this book and its implications for the end times. When Daniel wrote this prophecy, few cared about it yeah, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Can you imagine reading this in his day? It would have made no sense. But look now at our day. Look at the hunger on the part of people to understand end time prophecy. When I teach the Revelation, this room is packed. All over the world, people want to know what is going on with Bible prophecy. So... I believe rushing here and there is going to be an expression of a great hunger and desire to understand the prophecies that are in this book. And that's how the last part of verse 4 comes to pass, where he says, Knowledge will increase. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what's in this book. Knowledge of Bible prophecy. Jesus says, Seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open unto you, ask and it shall be given. So, this I believe is the meaning of verse 4. If you knock, and if you seek, you will find, and it will be opened. Now, the utterances of Gabriel to Daniel are finished with verse 4. Now, are you ready for another vision, folks? Everybody say, I'm ready for another vision. Because he's about to have another one. I don't know how his head didn't pop, right? Because now here's a, a new vision that will confirm and explain what Gabriel has told him, and it's going to finish out chapter 12. Daniel now sees two new supernatural beings on the other side of the river. Look at verse five. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. Verse six, one of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing where? Above the river. Who's that sound like? Jesus. How long will it be? Now, here's one angel asking another supernatural being, how long will it be till these shocking events are over? And the being standing on the banks is an angel. The being standing above the river, I believe, no doubt, is the Lord Jesus. So I meant, Jeff, it's it's not the New Testament. It's a Christophany. Everybody say Christophany with me. A Christophany is when Jesus appeared in his pre-incarnate form in the Old Testament. He did it many times. What did they say about the rock that followed them in the wilderness was who? Christ, right? He appeared many times in the Old Testament in his pre-incarnate form. I believe this is one of them because Jesus walked on the water and this being that one angel is asking for all the answers from this other being is standing above the water. I believe it's Jesus. The angel on the bank, bank wants to know, when are all these things that Gabriel has talked about going to take place? Now, verse 7, the man dressed in linen, who was Jesus, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, "It, it will go on. Now, the it is the time of Jacob's trouble. It will go on for a time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. Let me point out a couple of things. In Bible days, a person, when a person was going to swear about something, you know, you know, on my mother's grave or something like this, they lift up their right hand to add solemnity to what they were doing. But for both hands to be raised was like double solemnity. That's why Jesus always said, truly, truly, I say to you, Not just, hey, I'm telling you the truth, man. No, he said double truly, truly, truly. Two hands, truly, truly. Okay? So this is a major utterance now. Now, he says a times, time, and half a time. That's clearly the three and a half years of the second half of the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. And the holy people during that time are going to be persecuted and shattered and saved in masses. It's the day of trouble when Antichrist will break his seven-year peace treaty. Enter the temple, proclaim himself God, and turn to persecute the Jews. Now, Daniel next wants more clarity. How many of you can say, you know, I understand some things, but I wish I understood it better? Come on. Don't you? I mean, that's me. I I thirst for uh, understanding and knowledge. I do. I always have. Now, I understand some things, but there are some things I wish I understood better. That's that's what Daniel's experiencing. Okay, I get it, but reiterate, clarify, take me deeper. I I did not understand what you meant. How will all this finally end, my Lord? But I want you to look at the Lord's response to him in verse 9. Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Folks, there comes a time when Jesus says, hey, chill, relax.
1: You don't have to know everything. Rest, enjoy life. Don't worry, be happy.
0: Okay? He's saying, Daniel, you've had enough revelation for one day. Look what he says in verse 10. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And that's you.
1: Right now, tonight. You don't know how blessed you are.
0: You don't know how blessed you are. Angels have wanted to understand the things that we're going over tonight. This is not milk. This is meat. Now I want you to notice. Notice. Daniel is told that the prophecies he has been given are going to be understood better in the end times. And he's also told that in the end times, a distinct polarization is going to take place between the righteous and the wicked. Let me ask you, have you seen such a polarization going on now? I mean, have you ever seen, have you ever seen America more more polarized than right now? And, And really the rest of the world? Daniel is being told, Daniel, in the end times, the righteous will grow more righteous and the wicked are going to grow more wicked. You're going to see a great polarization taking place. If you love God, you're going to love Him more and more and more and more. If you're wicked, you're going to get more and more wicked and mean and nasty and vile and blasphemous. And there's going to be this polarization. Clear differences. It reminded me, it really did of Charles Dickens' opening lines in his tale of two cities. Let me read this to you, and this is amazing. I think the guy didn't know. He was prophesying. But if this doesn't describe the end times, I don't know what does. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, and it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Mm. That's what Daniel's being told is going to happen. This so describes the way the end times is going to look. Isn't that what Paul said? In the end, in the last days, many will depart from the faith, or some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. There's going to be a polarization. I don't know. Let me just talk to you bluntly. Are you shocked at at the coarseness of the language of Americans now? How often vile curse words are used? It, just in front of children, in, in front of anybody, and every, on TV. I'm talking about the bad ones. And they're just used like, ah, you know, and, and I look at that. But if you're a child of light, you see these things, you hear these things, you're like Lot, and your soul is vexed daily by the filthy conversation of the wicked. And you feel yourself vexed and troubled because it so grinds against the Jesus in you. You know, the Holy Spirit's called the Holy Spirit because he's a holy spirit. The righteous will respond to trials and persecutions with increased purity and maturity, while the wicked will only grow more wicked to finally become totally devoid of spiritual understanding. They just won't get it. Now, we're going to close with one more set of numbers. I'm going to make it easy. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped, let me stop here and say, when is that? Halfway through the tribulation. When the abomination of desolation takes place, Antichrist will stop the daily sacrifice he has allowed the Jews to involve themselves in. And the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, that's the abomination of desolation, is set up to be worshiped. That's when he goes into the Holy of Holies. There will be 1,290 days from that moment, and blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of 1,335 days. Now, here's what this verse indicates, that the Jews in the modern nation of Israel will restore the twice-daily sacrifice for a short time, and the armies of the beast of Revelation 17, Antichrist, upon entering Jerusalem, will ban that ritual. Should this be the case, there'll be 1,290 days, a little over three and a half years, and then the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Messiah Jesus, Hamashiach Yeshua, returns, and everybody sees him. Finally, Daniel's given a final instruction. Okay, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you'll rise again. Oh, gosh. Catch that. I want you all to read that with me. Because I'm going to say this. Let's say this to each other. Go your way until the end. Let's say it. Go your way until the end. That's good wisdom for us all. Keep walking with God to the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, read it with me, you will rise again. And Daniel's going to be right there with us when we go up. Hey, Daniel, we studied your book. To receive what? The inheritance set aside for you. And that is the end of Daniel. Let's stand.